Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Slide Rule Pass podcast, your weekly football podcast brought to you from the makers of Slide Rule Pass blog. We've got a busy one to go through this week as it's the final countdown, the end of the Premier League season and most of the seasons going around in England. So we're going to have a little trip to the club corner for one last time. And then we're also going to look at all the domestic action through the leagues, as well as take a look at the European finals coming up and all the other action and news that's going on in football today. As always, I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined by my good friend, Mark, who I can guarantee is not going to leave at the end of this season. How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, mate. I've had a had a good day. Um, it's been good. Uh, it's been a good final day of the season with with plenty, well, with some riding on the games, but it's been it's been some really really good good action today. Absolutely, mate. That's been a real interest in the weekend of football overall, mate, hasn't it? So, uh, without further ado, let's get stuck into our final club corner of the season. Okay, so it's time to take a trip to the club corner. This is the part of the show where Mark and I go through what's happening with our clubs, Newcastle and Aston Villa. So as Aston Villa's game was way more important than Newcastle's shit game, Mark, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's kick it off with a Villa. Thanks very much, man. And so, yeah, it was um, uh, final day of the season. We, we we were up against Chelsea, who were who were obviously chasing Champions League football. Um, it was it was getting pretty pretty tight in those those places between... Um, them, Liverpool and, and Leicester going into the final day. And um, obviously we'd we'd had a, a good result in midweek against um against Spurs, um picking up a, a two one win, um including a horrifically bad penalty decision um <laughs> on Ollie Watkins when uh, Hugo Lloris decided to to completely wipe him out. It's it's one I no idea at. why that wasn't given. <laughs> I've seen it so many times now, and I, and I just can't get my head around how on earth the referee and VAR have looked at that and gone, nah, do you know what? That wasn't that wasn't a penalty. That wasn't a foul. It was ridiculous. Um, it also included the greatest own goal I think I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> how on earth Region manages to slice the ball that badly um, into his own net is is unbelievable. But that got us a 2-1 win uh, in midweek and, and it set us up nicely for, for a game against uh, another of the um, the European Super League, uh, you know, <laughs> big six. So, yeah, it was um, the, the, obviously we, we went into the, to the game today. That's the, the lineup. Um, so, so Grealish continued it into um, today with with Nakamba, um, Ezri Konsa continuing on at right back as well. So it was pretty much the the same um, as we had in midweek. Um, and uh, sort of the alarm bells sort of rang early early on. I think Chelsea were obviously pushing for to to obviously make the. You know, get a stamp on the game and and really get themselves into it. And for for sort of twenty twenty five minutes, I was quite worried because it looked like we we were struggling to get the ball and just allowing Chelsea onto us. And although they didn't create really any any you know, wide open opportunities, they they did look the the far better team. Um, Mason Matt again looked looked really busy. Um, and also uh, Grealish as well spent the first sort of ten minutes almost getting himself sent off. Um, he had a couple of incidents with with Jorginho, and they were were strange ones. And I, I don't know whether there's something gone on before or, or whether something was said, but it was it was a strange sort of start to the game where he could easily have been booked, um, and, and then he would have been on on the tightrope. And there were a couple more fouls that he 
niggly little ones that you thought, oh god, if he if he got one yellow, that could have been two. And but he he got away with it. And then we grew into the game, and we looked we looked much better. We looked confident, um, sort of playing the, the the ball well. The you know the wide players were, were getting into the game. Traore was, you know, he's he's always a bag of tricks. Um, El Ghazi running down the other the other wing, and, and Watkins again, he just never never stops running. Um, and then we we got our, our goal from a from a corner um, somewhere. There's a klaxon going off because it, it doesn't happen very often. And uh, it was a it was a brilliantly worked one as well with the I think it was Mings and Conta sort of a, running as a, as a shield in the, in the center of the boxes. Traore runs around the back. Um, target picks him out quite nicely with a, a ball along the, along the deck, and he really mishit it, and it sort of ballooned into the top corner and completely caught um, Mendy out. And I don't think if he if he hit it properly, it it would never have gone in. It was just it was one of those, and just nice to see you, you get a little bit of little bit of luck there. Um, and then they, I think at halftime, they changed their goalkeeper. So Kepa came in um, for the second half and we sort of carried on the way that we, we'd been going. The second half, we started on the front foot. We, we looked, um, we looked like we were doing, doing really well, positive. It was, it was Villa of, of earlier in the season where we, we were sort of taking the game to, to sides. Um, and then Grealish again um, was involved down the, the right-hand side this time and worked the ball in to Traore, who sort of sold um, a little bit of a uh, a dummy to, I think it was Jorginho again. Uh, um, he just sort of overstepped it and just clipped his, his feet as he went past and, and it went down for a penalty. Um uh, Thomas Tuchel was was raging. Um, it was uh, he's a, he's he's moody anyway, mate. He's always moody. Too. Very. Yeah. It was um, his face during most of the game today was just uh, it was good fun to watch, and it it made it even more more sweeter when when El Ghazi dispatched the penalty um, in the process of slipping as well. And I think there were there were calls that, that he'd, he'd hit, he touched the ball twice as he took the penalty, but. For anybody to, to slip like that and, and still have the control on the penalty that he did was was brilliant. Um, and then it wouldn't be Villa without making it a little bit more difficult. And we we seem to forget that Ben Chilwell was playing. Um, <laughs> he um, he got left free a couple of times at the back post. He, he scored the the first you know their, their consolation goal, but then he nearly got a second one in almost exactly the same way and. It was Martinez again that, that pulled off a really good save with his feet um, and, and, and kept it at 2-1. And you know, I think the it calmed down towards the end. Chelsea were really sort of pushing it and really not panicking, but they were really starting to get a little bit more fraught and wanting to, to push on. And then obviously the news had come through for, from elsewhere that they were they were pretty much safe in those Champions League spots. And they, you could see Tuchel on the, on the, the sideline you know, telling the players that they were, they got it, they were fine, and to basically calm down, and in the last sort of few minutes, sort of drift, drifted off, and but it was, you know, it was a, it was a good result. We've had two, two back-to-back wins now, so um, we've, we've looked a lot better the last two games. Um, I, th- I certainly think, you know, the likes of Nakamba, especially today, he was absolutely brilliant. He was everywhere. He, he's, he worked so hard. 
he's just that little bit of of cover in front of the defence, and it's something that when he's not there, we miss because Louise isn't that player. Certainly not yet. He hasn't learned that role. He can be and a bit rash, can't he, Louise? He's got a, he's got a rick in him. He, he he yeah. I, I almost think he, he's better slightly further forward. You know, he's mm. he's got a decent strike on him. He's he does pass the ball well at times. He gives it away quite a bit, but he's willing to take a chance with a pass, and I think that that would suit him further forward. We need yeah. that that sort of hold in midfield, and, and the camber play that perfectly today. Um, was the was one bit, mate, that <clears throat> caught my eye, or should I say, caught Jack Grealish's eye, uh, which was uh, <laughs> Aspilicueta when Tuchel may have been asking people to stay calm, but I don't think uh, his captain was listening, was he? Because that was stupid, really, wasn't it, mate? Let's be honest with you. It was. It was, it was one of those where I, I sort of looked at it at first and thought, oh, Jack, Jack made a bit of a meal of it, but actually he does mm. flick his arm into his face. and He did make a meal of it, though, but he did. Well, <laughs> he yeah, did, but he did it. I, I, think what, I think what I meant was, has he, has he sort of just brushed him? But it was. Uh, okay, yeah. it, it no, was, he did, yeah. yeah. It looked like he meant it. On, on second yes. view, I thought the first time I saw it, it was like, oh, has he just, has he moved his arm as he's going to get up and he's just caught him? But then on second view, it's a definite movement towards him rather than down to sort of move himself, like get himself back up. Um, so I, I think it was probably the right call. I know obviously mm. Tuchel was was um, distraught on the sidelines once again, but that was um, it was quite entertaining. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was a good end of the season for us. You know, it puts us in in a sort of. Now a good good run of form before before the end of the season, but it gives us a, a platform now to to take in the next season. And we've got you know we've we've got twenty more points this season than we had last season. We've got a much more settled squad now. Yeah, and I think with the right additions in the summer that we can take that next step forward and and push for that top sort of seven or eight maybe. Um, Absolutely, I think you're still you're very much in that top ten. Discussion. You may not have officially finished in there. We'll, we'll have a look at the league table later on. We'll do the weekly roundup. But you're very much in that in that kind of argument. <clears throat> the gap between you and what I would say is the, the bottom echelons of the league, where I include Newcastle in there, which we'll come on to in a second. Um, there's a nice healthy gap there between you two groups of clubs. So I think I think you're in a good position, mate. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we, you know, we're not far off i think i think the gap something like 12 points to the champions league mm. places and and it's 10 points to 12th place so you know we've we finished 11th it's 10 points to, to 12th um so it's it's a really positive end to the season i think you know we, we look we look earlier on in the season i think we were disappointed that that we dropped but i think with with the covid break that we talked about before with um, obviously, Jack's injury, and, and you take anybody like that out, out of your side, and you're going to struggle a little bit. Um, so to to finish on a high, to finish where we have, it's progress, and we and we go on and build. Um, I think the one the one really the sort of funny point from from today as well was the the Villa fans singing for, for Tammy Abraham um, <laughs> when uh, when Tuchel had made his substitutions and the, and the Villa Villa Park started singing for for Tammy, um, who he has responded on on Twitter as well, which is great to see. So mm, that'll be there's, a, there's a chance there, mate. There's a chance there, I think. Yeah, it's one I'd love to happen. You know, I'd love to have him back. It gives us it gives us more options up front, and Absolutely. we think. We've been really lucky with with Watkins and, and you know not having any injuries there, and 
you know, he's only missed the games that he, he sort of been suspended for after that that, um, that red card. So we, we've been really lucky there. We haven't really got anybody to back up. But we also gives us an option to, to move players around. So Watkins can go wide if we have another striker Absolutely. in there as well. Yeah. So that that's... I hope so. I'd love to have him back. Um, obviously, we'll I think it'd be a good move for Tammy as well, wouldn't it? I think it'd be a yeah. good move for Tammy. To be fair, I think we'll we'll see. I think we've we've said before as well that there's the potential, depending on where Frank Lampard ends up as well, that Tammy may go that way too. So we'll we'll obviously see. Um, and the other, the, the last sort of stat that I wanted to kind of bring up was just a, a sort of a shout to to Matt Target as well, who's. He's our first player for for a decade to play all thirty eight games. Um, the uh, the last player to do it was an odd one. I I, I didn't know this um, until I, I was was told it wasn't one that I would ever have guessed. Stuart Downing. Bloody hell! Stuart yeah, Downing. exactly. Yeah, Man, I never thought of that. I think it was the the season that. I think it was the season he, he, he left at the end um, of the season mm. and went off to, to Liverpool. But um, yeah, I would never have guessed him in it in a million years. Um, I honestly thought you were going to pull Mark Draper out of the draw there for a minute, mate. I really thought he was coming <laughs> back out. The drapes. Pull the drapes. Ah, it's, it's going back a few more years. But uh, no, it's a, that's a nice start. And it just shows the, the level of consistency Target's had as well. He's, you know, he Both had your some. backs have been great, I think. Both your full backs have been brilliant this season. Absolutely. And, and Target. I think a, a, a better mention for him because he's, you know, we did have some rocky moments last year and hmm. he was questioned at times about his, um, not his work ethic, but about his commitment, I think, at times, and which was which was really harsh. Um, I know there were there were lot, lots of people after, I think, the Leicester game that had called his, his commitment into question when he'd gone off injured. You know, I mean, you can't help getting injured. But this season, he's just been so good, so consistent, and he works so well down that left-hand side with with Jack and and, and obviously with El Ghazi as well now. Um, so he's you know he's he's knocking on the door of that England squad. I think um, I think he's got two good left backs ahead of him, um, which yeah. is unfortunate for him. But he's he's in that discussion now. Absolutely, no. He's, he's had a great season, and Aston Villa fans, you know, let us know in the comments below what you think about that as well. You know, keep your eyes peeled as well because we will hopefully be doing a um, a club corner season review uh, for Aston Villa. You know, when they're maybe joined by some special guests as well. So, like us, subscribe. You know, click that bell to notify when the videos are coming up, and you know, and we'll go through that hopefully in the next few weeks. So, well done to the Villa. Great season, mate. Moving on to. Newcastle, which not a very good season in comparison to the Villa. Uh, and our game today was a bit of a dead rubber, really. It could have meant a lot more. And I think a few weeks back, it was uh, penciled in to be a lot more, wasn't it really? The the relegation six-pointer, who wins, stays up type of a thing. But obviously, we you know we did enough, a um, couple of good results, and obviously you know kept ourselves up. And, and obviously, poor Fulham couldn't manage to get there. So the way we lined up today against Fulham, uh, one change was uh, Sean Longstaff coming in for uh, the super penalty taker, that is Joe Linton, um, who I couldn't quite tell was injured or whether he was just dropped or whatever. But uh, one interesting fact as well is despite having both Andy Carroll and Dwight Gale in the squad, we played with no striker. So that probably tells you everything you need to know about Newcastle United's squad depth in terms of centre-forwards with no Callum Wilson. So <laughs> moving into the game, <clears throat> I wasn't sure what I was expecting really, mate. I was... I was expecting a Newcastle win, but I wasn't really expecting a very good performance. And I think I kind of got what I expected. 
you know, just as a, as a bit of an overall summary, really, that Fulham did all right. They knocked the ball around okay and they huffed in the puff, but it's, it's been a story all season for them. They've got nobody to put it away, you know, and, and the commentator kept talking about Mitrovic, Mitrovic, Mitrovic. Mitrovic has been dog shit this season for Fulham when he's played. I think he's got something like three goals all season or something daft like that. You know, even worse than Joe Linton. So, you know, Mitrovic isn't the answer for poor Fulham. But maybe when they go, you know, next season in Championship, if Mitro stays, you know, maybe he will bash in another 20 plus goals next season. But if they were to come up again, they've got to upgrade in that centre forward because Mitro clearly isn't a Premier League striker. But but going into the game, looking at that goal threat that we had, you know, we got no centre forward on the pitch. There was one man who your money was on, and that was uh, Super Joe, Joe Willick. And uh, yet again, he was the man who came out Trump's very, very crap game, very little chances in terms of any real chances to, to, to write home about. Joe Willick gets the ball from deep, charges up the pitch. Fulham give him a bit of space for the first time, fair play, and they were actually quite tight um, up until that point. He manages to wriggle through. He kind of gets a bit of luck. Like the ball ricochets off a Fulham player, and then he tucks it away so well just instinctively, the, the lad never panics, just in the bottom corner, off he goes to celebrate, and he, he levelled Alan Shearer's record of scoring seven consecutive goals. Uh, it's a game, sorry, for Newcastle, and that's just unbelievable for such a young player. He, he I love everything about him. He's just, he, he's smiling, he, he's happy, he wants to play, you know, he, he's got an enthusiasm for the game. It just really breaks my heart that he's not our player. And, you know, people are talking about, you know, we want you to stay, Joe, and all that stuff. Our tetris came out <clears throat> and said he's going to be an Arsenal player next season. I mean, this kid's going to cost big money for Newcastle, son, isn't he? What, 30 million quid, 20 million quid? He is, yeah. I think the initial sort of look was, was going to be about 20 million, and that was before he's gone on this goal scoring run. I know Bruce has come out and said that he, he, you know, he wants to make that a permanent move, but... If Arteta has got any sense that that kid is straight back in his squad, um, it's got to be isn't because it? he's he gives them a goal threat from midfield that they they don't really have. Most you, do you know? What I, I think obviously Pepe's sort of scored a couple of uh, so few goals at the end of the season, but it showed in recent weeks, especially the Europa League um, semi final, that they didn't have that threat outside of the forwards. And even then, when they're not scoring, nobody else kind of looked like scoring. Um, yeah. It's that instinct, isn't it? It's that instinct yeah. of getting the position to score, which, which he does. He Absolutely. has got that. He's, he's brilliant at that, you know. And it's kind of looking at the side, you know, I think St. Maximum was, you could tell St. Maximum also had his flip-flops on. I think I saw him having a Mai Tai at one point in the second half. You know, he didn't look like he was really that bothered about being there. There's question marks as to whether we'll cash in and sell him. You know, it, it does worry me a little bit. <clears throat> we're going to come on to the Premier League table, you know, in the weekly roundup. Um, but I've got no idea how Newcastle managed to stumble their way to the league finish that, that we ended up in. Um, it, it totally papers over the cracks for me. Um, but as far as the manager goes, and he actually came out after the game and said it, you know, that I'm not, he said, he said a, a brilliant Bruceism, as we've called him out for um, numerous times on this podcast. That he said, I'm not saying that finishing 12th is an achievement, but it's an achievement. And, <laughs> and there'd be some of those guys who need, need humble pie. Again, he's referring to the likes of Craig Hope, but I'm sorry, mate. We have been fucking atrocious all season, really. We The only reason we're still in this division is because the three teams below us aren't good enough. And that, that is the truth. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll pick up a couple of nice results, but, mate, we are not good enough at this level. You look at that squad, I've just highlighted it there. We had no centre forward playing in that starting eleven. 
And we had two strikers on the bench. One of them apparently is getting a three-year contract and Dwight Gale, which God knows why. He's absolutely useless at this level. You know, he runs around, he'll get you five or six goals in a little blip, you know, and once once in the league. But he's not consistent enough. You look at players like Chris Wood at Burnley, who get you 10 goals a season, that's a good Premier League striker. Even if you bring him in to, to add to depth to help, you know, to play alongside Wilson or play instead of Wilson when he's injured, that's the kind of transfer Newcastle should be looking at. Not not Dwight Gale or I mean Andy Carroll's done anyway. I think he'll be put out to pasture, you know, which is is rightly so. He was, I don't even think he was he was fit when he came a year and a half ago, really. But there, there was one other thing that really pissed me off about the subs. And again, there's a couple of games in a row. You've had young Matty Longstaff and Elliot Anderson in and around the squads. And Bruce just seems to, I don't know if he was the same at Villa, mate, but he just seems to go on autopilot. It's the same faces every time he's bringing on Gale, he's bringing on Shaw, he's bringing on Jeff Hendrick. And you think, like, if you're never going to give these kids a chance, how the hell do you know how good they're going to be? Yeah, especially in a game like today as well, where the, the game was over. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're playing against a side that's gone down. There's no there's no danger of losing the game. There's no danger of you getting dragged into anything. Give them a chance. Um, you, you flip it to, to Villa today, and, and again, with half an hour to go, we bring on an 18-year-old um, who... Exactly. It starred for the under 18s and, and is due to play in, in the the youth the FA Youth Cup final tomorrow um, against Liverpool and he came on against Spurs and, and and almost scored you know once he, you know just a couple of seconds after he come on um, but Bruce just doesn't he doesn't give that chance it's tried and tested it's it, it's you know slow and steady you know he, he, he's not gonna he's not gonna try those things he's not gonna he, he might put them on the bench because it's a show of well, well what do you what else do you want i've put them in yeah but at two nil when you you play in a team that is already relegated you know where you're going to be in the league just put them on give them a chance let them show what they can do for half an hour yeah and, you know they might surprise you and that was bizarre in itself as well. So he brings on Fabian Shaw, who gets the penalty, and takes a penalty and scores a penalty. Now, that to me just stunk of a goal-scoring bonus in your contract or something like that, because I'm looking on the pitch and Richie's still there, Shelby's there, Willock could get another goal and break Shearer's record. I'm thinking, why the fuck has nobody else taken this penalty but Fabian Shaw? I mean, it was, it was, was a, a hell of a penalty. Cool penalty. <laughs> uh, maybe that, maybe why <laughs> like, exactly i mean I, I don't think i've seen anybody take one quite as coolly um no it's very very it, good it sort of reminded us of do you remember when i think it was man united won the title oh early-ish 90s and, and i think everybody had scored a goal and then it, it got to the last game and, and gary pallister hadn't scored one so they, they they set him up with a free kick or something and he scored yeah. um and it was it was almost one of those moments where you know you've got a chance you just throw it to the guy on the pitch that hasn't scored a goal all season and, and I don't know if he scored actually so Not you know I could has, have got yeah. that wrong um, yeah. but yeah I mean he tucked it away brilliantly but it was just an, it was an odd one when you mm. you consider some of the players that were were still on the pitch but maybe he was, if he was yeah. designated penalty taker for the day maybe I don't know it was a strange one. I mean, obviously, Shaw's gone after the Euros um, along with Ryan Fraser and Dubravka uh, from our squad. And an interesting one, because a lot of people don't think Shaw will be in Newcastle next season. And it, 
it's a, it's really sad to me because you know Benitez built up this really good defense of, of steel and silk with Lascelles, Char, and Lejeune, and they were brilliant when all three of them were fit and they were you know they were you know you had Lascelles kind of mopping up, wiping guys out, and these two just were great on the ball. Um, but Bruce obviously prefers Shelby, who drops so so deep to get the ball. You don't have room for a ball playing centre half, so you revert back to a Dummett and a Fernandez, who, who are good players. You know, but Newcastle are sadly going to lose two decent centre halves in my mind, in Shaw and Lejeune that can play. You know, and, and and that's a testament to the change of management, I think. You know, which what happened to the club, and it, it is a bit of a shame. You know, so so we'll kind of finish there. Obviously, Bruce is quite smug. Um, Mike Ashley was in the crowd rubbing his hands together as he was depicted on social media. Probably wondering how much money he's going to get for Sir Maximum, probably. But um, it's another know, few million in the bank from finishing twelfth, <laughs> though, isn't it? So it's uh... well, that's probably he's probably thinking, no, I could just buy that failing retail outlet down the road. Oh, I really fancy that. But um, yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm not really that excited. You know, it's we finished twelfth, and you know, it's a, it, it's a good position to finish in, but it doesn't tell us the full story of the season for me and. We've said it before, if nothing drastically changes in the summer, and it's still rumbling on in the background, we all know it, but if nothing changes in the summer, uh, it's just going to be copy and paste again, isn't it, really, mate? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you you look at some of the teams that are down there or, or, or sort of fell underneath in, in obviously Wolves massively, um, you know, they've got big changes over the summer with, with uh, Nuno leaving. Um, but they've missed their best player all season. You know, they've had the likes of Pedro Neto out for, for a few weeks. Daniel Podent's missing. Yeah, John um, left. Yeah. And, and, and obviously Johnny's been missing as well. So they've missed some some good players recently as well. And the big one was Jimenez. And hmm. having him out for so long is, is kind of just put the put the end to their season almost then. And, you know, they've, they've sort of done as quite well to, to finish where they have. Um, but you'd normally expect them to be well above where, where Newcastle have ended up. See, Southampton have dropped um, sort of down the table as the season gone on after a really good start. Um, and you, I do think it's a false position. I mean, you have to give them some credit in the fact that they finished where they have. They finished the top yeah. of, of that bottom bunch. Yeah. They finished top of it. Especially um, given a few weeks ago when we were all yeah. like the death warrant, really, you know, we, we we assigned them all to death, whether you're a Newcastle fan or not. We all thought we were gone. So, but if you if you look at the predicted the predictive sort of table we did, uh, good what two months ago, we had them yeah. we had them relegated. So yeah, to finish right. as far ahead as they did off Fulham, um, you know, obviously they had a downturn in form. Newcastle picked theirs up just at the right time, and they've got some some good results. And you can't you can't hold that against Bruce. But equally, you've got to look at some of those and and, and see the bigger picture of it. And it mm. hasn't been a good season. They have been no. absolutely dreadful at times, and there's just been nothing about them. Um, once and again it's difficult because you know you miss your best players and you're gonna struggle um you know you, you put asm out of it you pull wilson out of the team and and all of a sudden that newcastle squad is is really thin mm. put them back in and they do well and it that kind of shows so they need most more depth that that's down to ashley um to to sort of put his hand in his pocket to to do that mm. but the question remains about 
the manager, I don't think he's going anywhere now. Um, unless I don't think after that league finish, no, no, I, I, and I don't, I don't think he could, unless you do what Southampton did, unless there is a name there that you can bring in to, you know, to take that next step. But again, mm. I can't see Ashley putting his hand in his pocket to to one pay off Bruce and then two to to bring in somebody else. So it's going to be going to be a really difficult one unless this, you know this takeover does eventually come through and then you'll see that change. Yeah, I think you're right. And obviously from a manager's perspective as well, <clears throat> so much uncertainty in the air in Newcastle right now. You know, whether you're a young manager looking to make your name, whether you're an experienced manager like Benitez was, you're going to really give that a wide berth until you know a bit more about what's going on because you don't want to go in and get your marching orders in six or seven months regardless yeah. of how good of a job you're doing. But you Newcastle know, fans, let us know what you think in the comments below. Um, you know, you know, we're hopefully going to be doing a, a club corner season review in Newcastle with a very special guest uh, in the next week or so, which will be really good. Me and Mark are quite excited about that. So, you know, for now, we're going to leave the club corner for the final time this season, mate, and uh, we're going to move on to the weekly roundup and the rest of the teams. Okay, so it's time for the weekly roundup now. We're going to check out the rest of the action and all the teams starting in the Premier League. Okay, so busy day fixtures today, mate, as we, as we were talking about earlier on. So just kind of looking through that, we've obviously covered um, Newcastle and Villa already. <clears throat> and, and the Villa game had a massive implication on the, the final Champions League positions. And there's a couple of other games in there that really stood out for us, mate, wasn't there? What a game it was between Leicester and uh, Spurs, mate. Two, two, eight, oh, one former England striker and one current England striker stealing the show, mate, weren't they? There was, and it's sort of Vardy. Vardy looked back to his best again and, and running running defenders ragged. His irritating best, like a wasp at oh, a picnic. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, he's an absolutely irritating bastard of a, of a striker, he is, but he, is. he looked he looked back to his, his sort <clears> of He did best look very good today. Yeah, he did. He looked great. You know, and it was uh, it was nice to see Gareth Bale as well, back with a couple of goals yeah. off the bench, mate. And it's looking good for Wales as well for the Euros, kind of. You know, he's looking sharp, isn't he? Exactly. I think the first was his second goal where he, he runs through. Mm. I'm not quite sure what the, the Leicester defence were doing, just letting him run straight through the gap. They seem to peel off either way and just let him run through. Yeah. He almost fluffed his lines and it was lucky that it sort of came back off the post and, and he was able to tap it back in. But it yeah. was um it was a, a, a brilliant sort of um a brilliant game to end, not obviously for, for Leicester, but yeah, um, had everything, had everything in the game, yeah, didn't it really, mate? So I mean, yeah, you know, Harry Kane's brilliant volley um, to to sort of get them. It was back in the game. It was so well hit, and you know, Schmeichel had no chance of that. Yeah, the, the last goal, the last goal, um, for, for Spurs. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, just I mean, it's is that is is that is is farewell. Um, it, it was. It's going to be strange, I think, and if he does move on, I think it's really likely that you know they're in mm. the, the Europa Conference League. Um, oh God, so that makes it sorry even worse, doesn't it? Really, <laughs> it's, no, they may as well call it the Europa Voxel Conference League. That, that was, um, Atletico Stanley. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's probably likely now. If somebody will come in and give Spurs. The money that they want for him, um, obviously, uh, and and Daniel Levy will play hardball and try and get as much money as he as he possibly can. But he do think has he got an agreement with them to to go for a certain amount? And but it, it looks likely that he's that he'll head off. 
his, his body language after the game certainly didn't look like a guy who was going to hang around. He looked like he was saying his farewells to Larice and Son and, you know, a few of the guys that were there as well, mate. It, it didn't look like a guy who's going to be there next season, in my opinion. No. You wonder whether a few more might might head out as well, you know, if they yeah, get possibly. offers of Champions League foot, the likes of Son, you know. No, Son's a great player. He's, 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 Absolutely. You know, he's been one of the best players in, the, in, in Europe this season. And there'll be big clubs looking at Son, no question about that, mate. Yeah. No, and he's not the only one. So, we'll, obviously, the manager situation is, is, you know, will take precedent there, I think. And then we'll see what happens with, with Kane. But I suppose for them, it was a good way to sign off. Not so good for, for Leicester. And it was an awful mistake as well from, from Schmeichel to, to gift Spurs a goal. And, oh, it's just... when he's been so good. Um, but he just completely misjudged that that cross mm. and ended up. Well, he punched it into his own net pretty much. So it's just. Yeah. I think it was, it was, it was Sanchez's Sanchez's head as well. It was, it was a bit of a bit of a, a bit, bit of both. Maybe a bit of both. Um, but they've they I mean they've struggled in recent weeks and it's telling that you know, they've missed defenders. Yeah. Um, you know they missed Johnny Evans. Um, obviously Massively. came back for the cup final and then then dropped out again. And Fafana went off injured early, early doors today. So I think I think Leicester fans will be disappointed. Um, I think they'll be be really happy in in terms of the cup final win. And they've been really good this season. And, and I really hope they would they would make it into that top four because I think they deserved mm. it. Um, but, but you can't take away that FA Cup win from no, them, though, no. to be fair, can you? I mean, it's, no. you know, Leicester fans, let us know what you think in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. You know, a couple of Leicester fans we know listen to the show, you know, Batch and his brothers. So, if, for me, if if you finish the season in fifth and win an FA Cup as Leicester, I think that's a good season, mate, wouldn't you say? I, I think so. And I, I think that was that was quite telling for, from sort of interviews with people before the Cup final that... yeah. They'd ask the question: Do you want? Do you want to finish in the Champions League places? Do you want the cup final? Or do you want an FA Cup win? And and almost to a man, they all said they want the FA Cup win because yeah. it, it still means something to them, and, it, and it, it shows actually that the FA Cup still has meaning. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to hear hear, to hear some Leicester fans' thoughts and, and what they think of the season. I think there will be disappointment, but there'll also be. They'll be positive about the fact that they've, you know, they've got to a cup final. They've won it. Um, they've been in that shout, and they've only just missed out. But mm. It's got to be so frustrating to have had this happen now two seasons running. I know where they've That's fallen out. You just got to watch it for people like Leicester. They always get raided, don't they? The, you know, it's happened with Kante and Mares, and in the past, you know, it might happen again with Madison. You know, Tillemans possibly if he has a good Euros as well. Brendan Rodgers is obviously a manager that's high in demand, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I think we also on the FA Cup is that magical bond between the owner, those players, and the manager. And I'd like to think the core of that team will stay next season. But what that meant obviously was that Chelsea managed to sneak in despite the Villa beating them uh, into the Champions League positions, and also Liverpool had a job to do against Palace. And there, uh, Mane was back on song, mate, wasn't he? It was, and again, I mean. They looked a little bit back to their best, not to start with. I think that the start of the game, Palace looked really threatening and I think Townsend had a couple of opportunities. One, Gory's opportunity was through one-on-one one one with a keeper and pulled it wide. And, you know, they could have been two down quite early on, but steadied themselves and, and Salah looked looked dangerous again as he was trying to, to win the, the golden boot and Mane, Mane got a couple of goals again a day one, one aided by a deflection, but 
looks looked really positive and and they they've hit form we said this sort of about newcastle as well really they've hit form just at the right times just to get give themselves a chance and you know they've gone through that really ropey patch sort of through sort of january february and come out the other side and and really really got themselves going again and, and just got results when when they absolutely had to I think, I mean, most Liverpool fans, after losing Van Dijk and seeing how bad the season tailed off at times, you know, if you'd offered them top four in January, they would have snapped your hand off. I really think they would have. So, so you know, credit to Liverpool and credit to Klopp for, you know, for getting back into that position. The Champions League wouldn't be the same about Liverpool, so I'm really glad to see them in. I'm gutted for Leicester, you know, but I think, to be fair, as you said, you know, happened again last season as well, and maybe it's just that final piece of... The jigsaw that Leicester need to stay in it mentally, you know, and, and stay in those positions. You know, there's a few other key results we were having to look at as well, mate. Leeds again were purring, mate, weren't they? Um, I think they've, they've ran the most out of any team in the Premier League. I think they've got stats for is it first position in the Premier League? You know, they're just uh, just incredible, aren't they? I was I'm trying to remember. What, I'm, I'm actually trying to find the stat now because it was an incredible sort of stat. I think they were was, distance. Distance covered 4,187 kilometres, which is um, They were first in sprints, in pressures, in tackles, in fast breaks. Um, and they ranked in, I think they'd used 23 players, which I think is the, the lowest the number lowest, in the league as yeah. well. So it is. And, and that pisses me off when people start talking about how Steve Bruce is doing the best he can with our squad. That's a bunch of championship players Bielsa's has done that with. That tells you what a good manager can do. I think they, they've got some 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 of those, and, and and they're obviously players that have come come through the championship with them. But they've added mm. well to it. True, um, like a Rafinha you know, and guys like that. Exactly. So they've yeah. added the right players, and they haven't gone nuts in the transfer market and spent mm. two or three hundred million in one go to do it. They've bought really well. They've obviously brought in. Um, Harrison on, on loan as well, which has been a, a really good signing for them. Um, and it's just another another Manchester City player who's, who's <laughs> been playing really, really well. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens with him as well because I think he's is he 24, so he's not one of the young ones. You know, he's he's yeah. not exactly ancient, is he? But you you wonder that he, he might struggle to kind of get into that that City squad. Um, when he goes back, so will will Leeds look to to sort of try and make that permanent? Um, mm. But it just shows what Bielsa is all about. It's all about hard work and and Absolutely. that that sort of when he first came in and and you had that sort of Leeds falling falling apart at the end of the season, and I think they've run out of steam that that year, but that set them up, and they haven't looked back since. So you know they went into the obviously the last season and, and this season and they're still as strong and as fit and as quick as, as anybody in the league um, and it's all down to the way that, that Bielsa has them playing and it, they've been, been brilliant to watch and I know Villa fans and Leeds fans have issues with each other but for, as a as a neutral watching them I absolutely love it they're, they're so fun, so much fun to watch yeah, honestly, I'd rather watch them than my own team. If it wasn't for my blind allegiance for Newcastle, I probably would. Uh, probably would just watch Leeds instead of Newcastle. But a couple of other results, obviously, they caught by West Ham. Finished strong, may as well. A nice three 0 win. Wolves getting 
beat off Man United, a bit of a reserve Manchester United and Nuno's last game, which was a bit of a shame. And uh, just to finish up, mate, on the, the champions, battering Ancelotti's Everton 5-0. So just starting with West Ham, mate, a nice end to a good season for the Hammers, yeah? Absolutely. And, and it just goes to show what a good job job Moyes has done this season. Please, you know, I think, again, there the possibly be, be fans that are disappointed with, with missing out on, on Champions League football, but they've been so good. You know, they've had some rocky sort of moments over again over recent weeks, and but the level of consistency they've had all season. Um, and and again, they they haven't really got any superstar. Maybe it's Declan Rice, but they've got no... No real superstars in that team. It, it's all possibly possibly Lingard. To be fair, to him, since he's gone. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, he, he he's not theirs. Um, mm. So that that's another one for them to, to see whether they they can sort of keep him um, over the summer. But it, it's just been again brilliant to watch at times. Um, dreadful to to watch when you're playing against them. Um, it, but uh, but yeah, they they thoroughly deserve. Um, the, you know what what they've done, and like I say looking at the table, they they just you know they're, they're only two points off Champions League football. They've That's they've got themselves season. into the Europa League. That is a but any any sort of sense that is a brilliant season for them. And you know what, for for a group of supporters who have spent a lot of their time at the wrong end of the table, having seasons like like I've had, like you've had as a Villa fan, and seasons gone by, you know, hey, fair play to them. You know, really really good season. It reminds me a lot about Newcastle when uh, I think 2012, where we finished fifth, and surprised everybody. I just hope that West Ham, unlike us, can build on those that squad. You know, keep Lingard, add a few more quality to it, and really just have a go at trying to stay in that top seven in the Premier League because that's yeah. probably where a team like West Ham really see themselves kind of moving forward. But just finishing up, mate, um, on on uh, kind of the Manchester clubs really. It's a shame for Nuno um, going out with a defeat in his last game. Just a little bit about Nuno, mate. What a great job he's done there, hasn't he? But he's been brilliant, and I know obviously that he's he's had the the benefit of the of the the link with um, oh, I've got Mendes. Mendes. Yeah. The, the name escaped me completely there, but he's done it well. You know, he's brought in good players, um, and they, you don't come up from the championship and. And end up with two two seventh place finishes on on the spin with without doing a good job as a manager. Mm. Yes, they've they've struggled at times this season, but they've missed their best player for the vast majority of it. Yeah, exactly, it's difficult to replace. You don't go out and just replace a Raul Jimenez. No, on a on a whim in the in the January transfer window, it would take a monumental amount of money to be able to do that. Um, Good news, obviously, for him coming back. I was just going to say, uh, great news. Yeah, he's back next season with a protective headgear on, isn't he? Yeah. Which is, to be honest with you, you know, you see it in rugby, you know, quite a lot, don't you? And uh, I, I, when Peter Cech had this on years ago, and I remember that injury with Peter Cech, you remember, I think it was Stephen Hunt, wasn't it, that ran Adam? It, was, and he, yeah. it, 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 it wasn't actually anything too malicious, but from that moment on, he had to wear the skull cap. I think I remember seeing you at the time, I'm surprised that outfield players aren't having to wear these things. And obviously, you look, the seasons have gone by. Obviously, poor Ryan Mason had his injury, which was horrific. You had to retire in the end, you know, and now Jimenez. And I think this protective headgear thing might become a bit of a thing, mate, I think, moving forward. I think so. You know, we've, we've seen a couple of, uh, we talked about this last week, didn't we? We've seen a couple of head injuries with, mm. 
with with goalkeepers this season with with collisions and it's mainly been down to the offside sort of um issues that that i still have problems with it, it, it not flagging for offsides when when they are um and i think we'll, we'll possibly see more of it and you know if it if it gets in playing and he's safe then then great you know because having players like that back back playing again it is you know it is great to see and uh, you know that they're a much better team with him obviously i know that's a completely obvious statement to make <laughs> um but it'd be it'd be great to see him back and and you know it's good to see him that he was he was fit enough i think he was past fit to play for the last couple of games but they just held him back and just that's, and i think that's the right thing to do i think yeah not rushing him back there's no reason to rush him back because no. They're not playing for anything. Um, exactly. It's not going to, you know, don't put them under any, you know, undue risk. Get him back, get a, a full pre-season, get him fighting fit, match fit, ready for the new season. Mm. I'm not sure whether he's um, called up with the Copa America or Mexico, is he? I don't know if that's something that's on the horizon or not, but I mean, maybe it was head injury, maybe they maybe they won't take the gamble either. But just, just finishing up, mate, you know, we, we gave a lot of love to Man City, I think, at the last podcast or the podcast before, but they absolutely troused, trounced Everton today. And Everton, for me, have been such a Jekyll and Hyde club that they've got this world-class Champions League winning manager. And I just think he's got a massive rebuilding job in the summer. I mean, just a little bit on Everton first, maybe before we wax lyrical about City and, and a certain number ten. Um, what's, what's your view on Everton, mate? I think you've, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. They've been very inconsistent. They were brilliant to start with, um, and, and they've again. I think they've a little bit like Villa in a sense. They've just had that period of just dropped well away from from challenging for for sort of Europe, and you know they've ended up just ahead of us. Um, and, and not in, in those European places, and they were they were they were more favourite to to end up in the Champions League at one point than Liverpool were. So it's kind of weird to see them having dropped so far. Um, they, they just sort of they struggle to get results. Hmm. Um, they stopped scoring as many goals. They look rocky in defence. Um, they've been pretty pretty dreadful at Goodison as well. They've been better away from home. Um, sort of certainly over the last few months, it's an odd one. They've they, they've still got some some really good players in that you know the, the likes of Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, um, Mohamed. Yeah, exactly. So you think that another season, you know, get a, a summer with with a bit of a few more changes, maybe in, in personnel, and, and they can go for it again next season and, and, and maybe be a little bit more consistent. But they just came up against a train today. Um, that city city team came out with a purpose um, for, from minute one, and and just yeah, Everton didn't stand a chance. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it was obviously teed up, wasn't it? Really, it was it was the the send off for Aguero. You know, the the absolute legend, your record goal scorer, Manchester City. He's done everything there. He's won everything he could could have won, except the Champions League, which he might still win, uh, you know, in the next kind of week or so. Um, but it was just a great day for him. 5-0 win. De Bruyne, Phil Foden, Jesus on the score sheet too. But a nice brace for Aguero. Perfect way to say goodbye, mate, wasn't it really? Absolutely right. Um, they got off to such a good start as well. With I mean, the goal from De Bruyne was such a good finish. Hmm. Um, obviously, Jesus got his um, Foden chipped in with with his goal, and 
you know, still looks just brilliant. Um, but then Aguero just, you know, his his first goal with that that finish with the outside of his right foot and then a brilliant header to, to round it all off. Absolutely. And just shows you what, what a player he, he is. And I think it's, it's 182 goals now he's, he scored in the Premier League for City. And mm. they'll miss him. Um, it's, will. You know, he's, you know, he might not be getting... 20, 20 plus goals a season, but they're going to miss him around the place, and depending on obviously who who they bring in. Um, but yeah, it was just a it kind of a perfect way to to say goodbye from from the city fans, you know, at home, give him give him the send off, but also keep him giving him himself that send off by by chipping him with those goals. Absolutely. We're going to come on to Sergio Aguero and potentially who can replace him in there. What's in the new section? But just one last look at the league table, mate, and then we're going to have a quick look at the um, the top goal score after that. So, yeah, <clears throat> again, we can see they're obviously confirmed that City won the league. There's your top four there. Obviously, we know who went down. Unbelievably, Newcastle United somehow managed to finish 12th, which I'm still scratching my head to figure out how and why, mate. But there's a nice big gap between our two clubs in the club corner there. You know, Spurs managed to finish European positions. We'll mention there how great West Ham have done and Leicester just missing out. So, yeah, an interesting Premier League. You look at the kind of top top seven or eight, really, and it's kind of the usual suspects. Obviously, big shout-out to Leeds in their first season back. Leeds fans, well done. You must be loving it. And we hope for better next season as well. And kicking on that next level, there's a few of your, of your old stalwarts being released. It looks like... You know, Bielsa's already getting ready to upgrade. So just moving on to the top goal scorers, mate. Um, Harry Kane's goal, obviously him and Salah having a straight shootout. And I can imagine even though Liverpool won, um, Salah would have been a bit pissed off he didn't uh, nick that goal. But, eh? Absolutely. And he had his chances as well. He had one, um, one save. I'm trying to think whether it was first or second half, but he, he had one sort of saved quite... Um, not point blank, but but pretty close into the keeper. He had another one where he cut in from the right and curled it over the bar. He, he had his opportunities. Um, obviously, Harry Kane's goal today gave him the gave him the golden boot. So it's mm-hmm. um, yeah. So and, and obviously Bruno chipping in there with with eighteen goals for the season and finishing third in that um, in that group. It's a great Just, effort, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean for. To sort of come from from sort of midfield, yes, uh, it will always be the argument I think from people that say, well, half of his goals have come from penalties, and I think that's it's a fair argument. But but also you you tend to have your better, you know, your better goal scorers taking your penalties. Uh, generally, you you look at Kane's going to take his, Salah will some well, I think at times it's taken his, but obviously Fernandez will take. Um, we'll take Manchester United. Bamford stepped up again today and scored scored a penalty. Uh, so you know it's going to be Jamie Vardy as well. Will take take Leicester's um, penalty. So you're looking at your your goal scorer being your penalty taker, and you can't take that number of goals. And, and obviously you add that to his assist as well. And it's a phenomenal goal contribution return for the season from. But Kane again with a with a golden boot, and as that is. Is that it? We said before. Is that his? Is that his final sort of award before he, he moves on to to pastures new? Yeah, it's interesting. We're going to get into that later, but I, I think Harry Kane will be back um, 
terrorizing Premier League defenders next season, personally, mate. But just a little shout out on that list as well, mate. Ollie Watkins' first season in the Premier League. I know you'll probably go to this in more detail when you do your full season review of Aston Villa and the club corner season review. But um, what a great season he's had, mate, stepping up for the championship. Yeah, I think there were a lot of question marks about the, the amount of money that, that Villa put on, you know, paid for him. Um, he, he scored a, a shed load of goals last season in the championship. He, you know, he, he's proved that he can score goals. Um, and he came in and hit the ground running for us. You know, he hat trick in the, the game against Liverpool. And he's just gone on and, and he could have had more. He's had some some questionable offsides. Um yeah, so he, he could have quite easily assaults by goalkeepers. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It just, but yeah, he's, he's been he's been entertaining to watch. He, I think I've I've said this, you know, every every single week. He works so hard for that team. He does he, he does. never stops running? He's always available. He's always putting himself out, and he's just a joy to to watch as a is a Villa fan with, with a player like that in your team, you know, you, you get the, the bits of creativity from, from, from Grealish and Traore and, and from El Ghazi then, but to have a sort of that focal point up front that is willing to just do the, do the shit work and just run everything down. It, he's some engine on him because he's, he still looks as fresh as he did at the start of the season. He just, I'd say he never stops, um, and he just gives you so much ability to to pr- to play that pressing game that that Smith wants to do, and it's been been great. I wish he'd got a, a few more, but you know, you, you, for a first season in the Premier League, it's just been it's been brilliant. Absolutely. Well, fr- from his current club to his previous club, mate, nice little segue. We had a bit of action in the championship playoffs as well, didn't we, the weekend? So let's just get stuck into some of those. So so looking at that Bournemouth and Brentford um, game, obviously, Ollie Watkins' uh, ex-club, um, the return leg, you know, all the pressure was really on. Um, but I think Brentford really to try and come back. And uh, did they not half come back, mate? What a brilliant result for the Bees. It was, and, and it started so badly for them as well. You know, they, they were 1-0 down from the first leg. They went 1-0 down um, in the second leg as well. And and then what a what a turnaround. And, you know, they just... It was such a it's such a good game of football to watch. And, you know, they took their, took their chances. Um, it was the... Obviously, they were helped by the fact that you know, they've rattled Bournemouth and, and, and Bournemouth lost a, a, a man um, early on as well um, for, a, for a straight red card for, a, well, what all intents and purposes was a rugby tackle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible defending though. You could see Woodgate's face from a player who was a great defender. Woodgate yeah. was just thinking, what the fuck are you doing there, mate? Absolutely. I, you know, he, he knew he was caught out. You could see him flick mm. his hand out to... to you know, to trip the Brentford striker on the way through. Um, so yeah, that, that was a it was a phenomenal comeback for them. Um, thoroughly deserved. I thought they were absolutely brilliant, um, and, and and more so as well because Bournemouth were, were time wasting from from twenty minutes into the game and it, it was, <laughs> yeah, they it was were. Um, yeah, I, I actually thought Jose Mourinho had taken over Bournemouth for a minute when I was watching oh, it. You know, it was, I was like, what's going on here? It was horrible to watch because it, you're just sitting there. You, you'd seen, I think it was David Brooks sitting on the on the ground and sort of with his finger up to his lips, telling them to to sh- like telling the fans to shut up. And 
Mm. And you just kind of thought at that point, you, you kind of hope somebody will, will wipe the smile off his face and bloody hell, did, did, did mm. Brentford do that? And I say thoroughly deserved to, to Begovic, there's got to be a mention for Begovic, just oh. general football shithousery when uh, I'm and Tony's penalty went in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that all that about. Know, Tony scores and he, he gets the, the ball to run it back to the halfway line. Begovic runs after him, knocks the ball out of his hand and there's a bit of a reaction. They end up both getting booked. Um, it was just, a, it was ridiculous and... It was funny, funny later in the game as well when when the game was was sort of getting towards the the last couple of minutes and Begovic goes up and I think he was up front for about five minutes. The the ball was <laughs> this thing. He ended up being the the, the play that got called offside. Um, it was just it was unbelievable. It, it, it suited that, that. that is a, that is a pub quiz question waiting to happen. That is what Absolutely. goalkeeper got caught offside. <laughs> it was that was very funny. Um, yeah, great, great, was a great result though. And then going exactly. on to the second fixture. Um, we had Swansea and Barnsley. Swansea were one that up from the first leg. Um, a really good game this made. I thought uh, both teams really played well. I think Barnsley made a good fist of it, but Swansea just had that little bit extra quality. I think they see it through. They, they did. You know, they went one nil up again. Um, it was a brilliant goal great from goal. Matt, Matt Grimes. Goal. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was was Conor Horahan at, at first. The way he, the way he hit it, it was just so <laughs> sweet. And I remember that he got such a good left foot on him. Um, but the way he just sort of stepped inside and, and just curled it into the corner it was it was a brilliant goal. Um, and but Barnsley never gave up and and they got back into it. Um, you know they they got their goal. They're not the, the most pleasing on the eye at times to watch, but they they are fully committed and they get the ball forward really really quickly. And it's it's not route one. I think some people describe it as just you know it's just lump the ball forward and hope for the best. There's a little bit more to them than that. Um, and it was a really good game. Um, and they just they just didn't have enough in the end to to sort of get that second one and, and, and take it to extra time. But it sets up a really good um, a really good final on on Saturday now, um, sort of at, at Wembley. So we we'll look forward to to see how Brentford and Swansea get on. And see Brentford will be hoping to go one step further than than last year where they they lost in the in the final. Who's your money on? Oh, don't do that to us. Um, <laughs> Swansea for me. I'll I'll put it out there. Swansea for me. I think, yeah, I think that there's obviously more. Um, there's there's a little bit more. I'm trying to think of the word now. I've completely caught us on the caught us on the hop with that. <laughs> I think there's a little bit more experience with with Swansea. Obviously, they've got well, the likes of you and guys like that. Yeah, of Horahan yeah. and Routledge and, and players like that in that squad, but. There's just that there's a way of that Brentford play, and, and I, I really enjoy watching them. And you know, Tony's scored a hat full of goals this season. Um, Brian and Bueno is is has been brilliant the last few weeks as well. Um, obviously, Marcus Force came on and, and scored, um, or, or scored it on Saturday as well. And they've just got those those striking options there that I think will give. Swansea much more of a challenge than than obviously Barnsley did. Um, I think if I had to choose one, I think I would go Brentford. I, I think that's through personal choice though, because I think I'd like to see them go up this season. Um, yeah. Just for 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 the way that they they played, it's obviously it's Ollie Watkins' old team. It's, it's Dean Smith's old side. So Absolutely. there's a little Absolutely, bit of yeah. there's a little bit of um, 
a little bit of bias, I think, in there with, with yeah. those two having, having come. A little bit of a link there, isn't it? But to be fair, if they do go up, that's the three best teams in the championship this season that would have went up. Yeah. You can't really argue with that, to be fair. So just looking at some of the other playoff games that we had there, um, just kind of a quick summary. So the League One playoffs, um, there was a few games going on there. There was tears on the weir, which I'll let you cover off, mate, so I'm not completely biased. <laughs> uh, and obviously the, yeah, there was the Blackpool uh, Blackpool fixture as well, mate. So, so we'll start off with Blackpool and Oxford. Obviously, Blackpool did the damage, I think, in the first leg, mate, and then the second leg was quite lively as well, wasn't it, with a three-three draw? It was. I think it was game over really from from you know from the first leg, and you know Oxford did put up a really good fight um, in that second leg to to make it three-three, um, but obviously six-three on aggregate. I think Blackpool have, have had a really good defence, and it kind of showed in the in the first leg. Um, their ability to, to score goals as well was was, was really shown there. But uh, I say Oxford have, have done really really well to to get into that that playoff mix in the first place, and then uh, and then obviously to to take Blackpool as as kind of as far as they did. But then the other one, um, obviously first leg Lincoln won two nil, um, and then it got back to to the stadium of light um, on on Saturday and. Sunderland came out of the of the traps and they were flying. Um, I thought they were going to do it, mate. I really did. I must admit, yeah. I, thought they, I thought they were going to do it. And all credit to them because that first half performance was brilliant and, and they thoroughly deserved to be to be two nil up. But second half, they came out and that intensity had gone. But I think Lincoln had come out with a, with a different sort of game plan and mm. and really sort of a settled down. You know, they, they'd obviously had a bit of a rollicking at half time and um they got their got their goal, could have had another couple. Um equally there were there were chances for Sunderland as well where they could have could scored two or three three others uh, you know across the the tie but it was um yeah I think it's <sighs> I'm not going to gloat for them because it's really harsh. But I think, having looked at some of the the social media stuff from from Newcastle fans and you know the the the, the posting of videos from the um, from yes, the Netflix. Until I die, oh, yeah, yes. God, I bet they, you they're regretting that now. Those people in the moment. So. The line of "We'd rather be beating Bond, uh, uh, Burton than than losing in the than than losing in the Premier." Oh, honestly, you just. When you, you see things like that, you know it's going to come back and bite you in the arse. It's going to come back and haunt you. But yeah, yeah, a, a special word for some real football shithousery as well for the Lincoln goal scorer doing the Alan Shearer celebration at, at the Stadium of Light. That was uh, that was a nice little touch, though, mate. Right? Oh, properly premeditated. He, he knew exactly oh, yes. what he was doing. It was, oh, a, yes. it was a great header as well. So fittingly, just was, a wheel yeah. away, one arm in the air and... I yeah, think, was, I think uh, Big Al would have been Big Al would have been proud of that. But on a serious note, it did get, get a little bit ugly. I don't know if you saw the videos doing the rounds on social media. Sunderland fans are costing Lee Johnson and giving him abuse, you know, through the, the gates and stuff. And I, I appreciate lower league football. Maybe the, the level of security isn't there as much as it is in the Premier League. And it got a little bit unsavory, I thought, because I can understand they're frustrated, you know, and they're still in League One. But I mean, that club's been through a lot of shit, you know, and he, mm -hmm. he's just the, the, the current custodian of that club. And uh, he's having to put up with the shit. And to be fair to him, he's, he's doing the best he can. He took you to the playoffs, nearly got you to the final, nearly got you up, you know. And you just got to go again next season. Don't abuse, don't abuse the guy. That's unnecessary. No, it's it's weird because that's the second time uh, that they've had that on camera. 
because there was the the clip in um chris coleman wasn't it yeah chris coleman. Who, yeah yeah who, you know was you know he one of the the fans had had words with him and it's what just, did he say again? Don't call me a prick. I've got six kids. Or like I that. think something like that. Yeah, it's it just it's not nice to see. And, you no, know, it's I, not. I've I've not got the the most time for for Lee Johnson. Um, you know, from from his time at, at, in the championship playing against Villa with when he was at Br- Bristol City. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's. I think they're, they're obviously going to be. Um, Issues there over over the summer. They've obviously got new owners. Um, a lot of players so, are contract as well, mate. A lot of players are contract. But they, I think they're gonna. They're not obviously gonna have the budget that they've had before because they're now into to season three in League One. So that that budget probably drops. They're gonna lose some of the the sort of the you know the players with the, probably on higher wages as well. So that probably helps them too. And it's gonna be a bit of a rebuild, I think, over over the summer. Yeah. Well, do you know, stop loving some of the youngsters, mate. Because you know, if you think about the Sunderland teams that, that you know we we saw when we were younger coming up through a championship, you know, yes, when they had the likes of Phillips and Quinn and stuff, they always they always kind of bled younger players into this team, didn't they? You know what I mean? So maybe it's time to go back to that and start again, Sunderland, and have a have a you know a team with some local talent there as well. Be a bit yeah. proud of that. And it's not that long since they they you know they had like the likes of Josh Madger that that was there and you know he looked really yeah. really promising but obviously given the league they were in they they, they lost him quite quickly. That's always going to um, be the problem, isn't it? When you're down there, you have a half decent player that they're, they're going to go. But listen, you know, in all seriousness, uh, you know, good luck for them for next season. I really hope yeah. it goes well. You know, no no hidden jokes. I know you think I'm building up the one, but I'm not. So <laughs> so uh, you know, good good luck for them for next season. But just looking at some of the playoffs, mate, to close this off. Um, obviously, League Two, take us away on that, mate. There was some lively games going on there, wasn't there? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think the, the favourites to go through um, to the final were, were Rosie Morecambe. Um, and, and they sort of, again, did the did the damage in the, in the first leg by winning winning away at, at, at Tramere. Um, it was a, a close game um, in the return leg. And it obviously just, just pipped Tramere through to, to get to the final. But the, the other game was, or the other tie was... I mean, obviously finished tonight. It was phenomenal. Um, Newport two 0 up from the first leg, and then tonight Forest Green were three 0 up, um, and and it looked really much as if they they would they were through. Um, Newport then got themselves back into it. Um, I think it was forty two year old Kevin Kevin Ellison who'd come off the bench and, and scored an absolute blinder to to kind of get them. Um, back to to three three um, overall, and they then went ahead um, to put them in. Forest Green then scored again to 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 sort of make it level, and it and it went into extra time. And in the 119th minute, Nicky Maynard popped up and and scored the the third goal for Newport. So they lost on 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 the night, but but obviously go through um, over the two legs, and again just some. Brilliant, brilliant football to watch over the over the last few days. In, in terms of certainly those second legs, um, have just been so much fun to watch this weekend, and it just shows you what the, what the playoffs are all about. And we thoroughly enjoyed watching it, and I can't wait till the weekend to to watch the watch the finals now. Sunday, Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Absolutely, mate. It's going to be some exciting games coming up. So, so just uh, moving a bit north of the border, actually, as well, we did have another cup final, um, which was the Scottish Cup final. Uh, which was uh, St. Johnson taking on 
the mighty Hibs, and uh, to many people's surprise, and Johnson won, which uh, good luck to them, well done. Um, and it did present us with our what the fuck moment of the week, which uh, I know you wonder where it was, and that was uh, manager Callum Davison <laughs> after the after the win, um, sliding, sliding topless into the changing room on a wall, uh, sorry, a floor full of champagne. Um, <laughs> head into, first, a door. into a door. Into a door. If we're gonna if we're gonna end the what the fuck of the week moment domestically, that is an absolute corker. So thank you, Callum. Well done, St. Johnson. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well done to them. It's you know, it's a it's a two two teams actually. You would, maybe given the you know the usual suspects in Rangers and Celtic, you, you're kind of expecting to get there, but. It's nice to see a cup final again with with two teams that you wouldn't normally sort of expect to see there, and brilliant for St Johnson to win. Um, and yeah, that moment with with Callum Davison was just it was so much fun. Go and go if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It is brilliant. Oh, it was like Mike Bassett, England manager, kind of at its best, really. You know, and he's pissed up in the change rooms with the players. Superb, superb. But so that's us done for the uh, the weekly round of domestically. And uh, then we're going to check out the European final preview next. Okay, so it's time to grab your passport. We're heading to Europe, mate. We've got a couple of European finals to check out. So kicking off with the Europa action with Manchester United and Villarreal, mate. That's going to be on Wednesday. How do we see this bad boy playing out? Well, yeah, I think you you kind of you look at it and you think United have to be favourites. Um, I think say so. it's probably, possibly harsh on Villarreal because they've, they've done really, really well in the competition this season. Um the form going into the into the final isn't the best for, for United. They've they've won two of, of their last six games. They've obviously rested players. Um, they've had you know issues with with games being postponed and having to, to play you know multiple games across very short space of time. So they have rotated pretty well in in, in that time. Um, so. You know, we, we saw today that they they rested quite a few few players and came away with a win. So that'll give them some some confidence going into Wednesday. Um, obviously, I'd expect a you know some some big changes for for the team that that starts on on Wednesday night. So I think they start as favourites. ASL Villarreal will will count themselves a little hard done by on that, but they've they've won two and lost two since they got through. The, the semi-final against Arsenal, so they I think they lost uh, this this weekend. They, they won the two games before that and, and lost the one just after they'd gone through. So, you know, they've not either team has been in brilliant, sparkling form, um, but it sets it up. It's it's probably going to be be quite an entertaining game. And like I say, I think United have the edge. I, I think that game against Roma showed that uh, certainly the first leg. They've they've really got the, you know, the bit between their teeth. They really want to to go go and win win the win the competition. No, I think you're right, mate. I mean, it, it is a bit harsh on on Villarreal. You know, it's 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 a massive world well them for getting their first European final. Um, but again, that that could spell a little bit of trouble for them themselves because in these kind of a games when when clubs do that, you know, you look at Leicester in the FA Cup. Sometimes it works in your favour, um, but. I think with Villarreal, it could go against them because you, you're talking about a machine here in Manchester United that's just got years and decades and decades of, of European experience right throughout the team. The manager, you know, the players, you know, the Pogba's, the Cavani's, even the Rashford's and Greenwood's, they've got so much European experience. 
that I can only see one winner here, really. And that's Manchester yeah. United. You know, whether it's comfortable or not will depend on you know how much Villarreal are up for the for the game. But I think it will be an interesting game, be a decent game. I think they'll make a good fist of it. But I just think I think United have got the quality here, mate, to to to, yeah. to put this to bed. You know, and it could be you know like a three-one kind of three-one game or something like that. But you know, good luck to to both sides. Obviously, it'd be great to see an English team win it. Um, you know, and, and moving on to the other um, final, which we're going to look at, which might be a little bit more cagey. Has uh, got two English teams in it, and that is <laughs> over in Portugal on the 29th, and that is uh, Chelsea versus Manchester City. We um, we saw we covered both teams roundup fixtures. Um, you beat Chelsea and uh, City were on sparkling form. So these finals are very funny because form can only go out the window. We've seen it so many times where teams have been flying along in the league. They get to the European Cup final or the FA Cup final and they get battered. So how do you see this one, mate? It's it's a tough one to call because you you have to say that, that City are favourites. Gotta be. Yeah. But it's it's not that long since Chelsea beat them. Um in fact it's one of like City have lost just two of their la- last nine games. Those two games have been in the last four, and one of those has been against Chelsea. So mm. it's not it's not a, a done deal. Um, I think Tuchel's got a way of playing against City that, that works. But I think City just, that, that game today will just give them, and, and obviously the being able to lift the trophy at home, give, give them such a lift. They've got a week to get it out of their system. Um, you know, have their celebrations today, tomorrow, and then focus, and they've got that week to be able to to then focus on on a plan for for playing against um, Chelsea. I think Villa showed a little bit of of how to go about them um, today. You know, they, they 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 put pressure on them, and and I think that's that's what City have to do. Um, like which for Chelsea, I think they they've got try and got to contain them as well as they did before, and. You know, they, when they get their chances, they have to take those chances. You know, they can't, they can't have those moments where Werner misses an open goal or, or you know, um, have it has, you know, misses one on ones and they get caught offside. You know, and we've seen that in recent weeks where, where you know, the likes of, of, of Werner, he's he's looking across the line and still gets gets caught offside and. They can't have that. They they have to take those chances. I think it it's going to be a little bit more cagey. Um, they always tend to be, uh, but I think City will have the edge. Um, they certainly my pick for for the final. No, I think you're totally right. It's a really interesting point you make there as well. I think with with Chelsea, it, it, there is always that question of if if Werner puts it away, if Havertz is up for it. Um, but with City, it's more of a when, isn't it? It's when Foden does it, when Guerrero does it, when you know De Bruyne turns on a sixpence and threads that ball through. I just think City are too good. I think they've got too much quality in depth as well. They've got players that can come on on and change the game. I just I think this is City's year, you know. And I, I think I'd be saying that even if it wasn't Chelsea they were playing. If anything, the Chelsea element makes it a harder game. I think than it would have been potentially against a Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. I think City would have probably had a better game against them potentially but i think it'll be tight but i'm with you mate i'm, I'm back in manchester city all the way i think it'll be a great way for pep to add to that massive trophy haul he's already got in the champions league again a great way for aguero to to, to whistle off into the uh, the sunset which we're going to come on to in the new section soon 
But yeah, and, and it'll be great for England too, with the likes of Foden and Walker, Stones, you know, Sterling, all tasting that, that silverware, that the biggest trophy in club football, you know, right in time for the Euros, you know. So, you know, for me, it's got to be City all day long, mate. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and and there are some good English players that are going to be playing it. You, you look at the other side as well, and, you, and you've got, obviously got Mason Mount playing playing in so well in that in that Chelsea yeah, side. So sure well as well, nice to exactly. So that sets both kind of sides up for, uh, or both sets of English players up for for the, the European Championships that you know that, that are coming. So yeah, I think we're both both in there with 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 City. Um, you know, it'd be just like us to get this one wrong as well. <laughs> but, we'd overdo, uh, we'd overdo, yeah. but I just, I just hope it's you know it's another good final and and not sort of a cagey nil nil affair that sometimes those big games can end up being because they, they kind of kind of cancel each other out. I think with City, you, you, you've got a little bit of a difference, and they're so good going forward, they're less likely to kind of just sit and and, and wait for an opportunity on the break. Um, so I, I I do think they will go about it and, and, and go and try and win. Um, so it, it should be it should be good fun to watch. Absolutely. Well, we'll be sure to check it out as you guys will as well, and then uh, we'll see exactly what we we've got in store for us coming up soon. So for now, we're done with Europe, and we're going to head into what's the news section. Okay, so it's time to take a look at what's in the news. And uh, again, that man is not disappearing, mate. We spoke about him earlier. Harry Kane is back in the news. I don't think he's ever been out of the news, to be honest with you. Um, we're all trying to figure out where the hell he's going to end up next season. It seems to be more of a case of, of when, not if. He did that interview with Gary Neville, which was great. I watched it on YouTube as well. It was very interesting. Um, he's very good at golf as well, Harry Kane. Uh, <laughs> he plays off too, funnily enough. Um, but it was an interesting interview. He was very honest. Um, I thought he spoke very well. But the news is that both City and United are looking at them. City seem to be in pole position, mate. Uh, I can definitely see them in a City shirt. What about yourself? Yeah, I think I think they have to be in, in poles. Isn't they? they need that striker. Um, I'll say pole position again because I, I just mumbled my way through that. For so it didn't come out properly. There you go. So yeah, I think I think they're they're ahead. It's it's kind of tough with with United. You you know, obviously just signed Cavani um, to it to a new contract. So is he going to be really happy having signed that contract? Then being second fiddle again, um, especially when he's he's done so well um, when he's played. For for C, they they need a they need a striker, you know. <laughs> we see, we say they need a striker, but <laughs> just well, that's, yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> but but they're right, they do because they're losing they're losing a top top striker. So exactly, I mean, you look at it this season for them. Their top goal scorers, Gundogan, were thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've shown that they don't need a number nine. But I think a number nine just takes them to another level. Um, and certainly in in somebody like Kane, where you 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 know you're almost guaranteeing yourself somebody with 20 goals um, in the season. If you then can add to that with with Foden's goals, with Mahrez's goals, with with Gundogan's goals, it's just and and Kane's proved this season that he's he's quite happy to come deep and play provider to to the wider players. We've we've seen it with with Son and with Bale. Um, so it, it seems the better fit, really, um, of the two. Um, I think my initial thought was it was that he might go abroad somewhere like Madrid, and 
we'd, we'd maybe it's Barcelona, but that seems unlikely at the moment. Um, so I think City, City, are, are number one in, in that list, and I just think that there would be a phenomenal sight with with him in, in that in that blue shirt. No question. I think somebody uh, put something on Twitter earlier on that said De Bruyne and Kane in a City team is a cheat code. <laughs> I think it's, it's, just, right. it's just it's when you've got the editor and editor and football manager and you just start putting players in your team isn't it it's, it's, yeah. it's playing fifa <laughs> and just bringing all the all the best players in your side and you're like, oh well we'll just have a dream team yeah that's pretty much it well that, that's it but it, it's interesting because talking about united that, that takes us on to another story as well which is interesting that jordan sancho said he loves the prospect of joining manchester united and apparently already agreed terms with the club 12 months ago um, we've seen this happen before when Manchester United did this with Ronaldo and you stay another year or let you go the year after. It's interesting talking about Kane and Cavani. Gary Neville seemed to be more of a mindset that it was Sancho that was coming to United and not Kane. And that would probably sweep in quite well if you think about it. Obviously, Neville's very well connected to the club. But if you bring a Sancho, you got Sancho, Greenwood, Rashford, all kind of those kind of buzzing strikers in and around. And Cavani's that focal point at number nine. You might get a nice solid season out of Cavani, a bit like the Dibbers Latan um, a few seasons ago, and have the kind of pace in and around him. So he doesn't need to have that pace. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's obviously a decision they want to make, but it's a big gamble because if you have a chance to sign a player of the quality of Harry Kane, we all know Manchester United had this problem with Shearer many years ago and it didn't happen. You know, if signing Harry Kane is a, is a potential prospect for Manchester United. For me, Cavani or no Cavani, they've got to go for me because the guy could get them to win the league. He could do for them what Van Persie did a few years back, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think he'd be daft as it is United not to look at, at, at Harry Kane and you know, while having Sancho would be would be brilliant for them. They, they've got players that that play in the, those wide positions already. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, having, having another one isn't a bad thing, but I think, you know, we, of the two, I, I think I'd rather have Kane. That's my personal opinion, but Definitely. I think if, you, if you're if you not going to get him um, and you've got Cavani, who, who gives you at least another year of, of, of brilliance um, because, he you know, he's got that in him. And if you've got the players around him to, to give him the service and, and feed off him, then then Sancho makes perfect sense, I think, as well. So Absolutely. We'll have to see what kind of European Championship Sancho has as well, because he has tailed off a little bit. You know, he has his moments where he looks great, then he kind of disappears a little bit. Obviously, we don't watch the Bundesliga as close as, as, as other people do, you know, but he, yeah, he has drifted away a little bit. So it'll be an interesting Euros for, for Sancho. But but moving on to outgoings at City as opposed to incomings. Obviously Aguero played his last game for the club at you know in the Premier League, you know, Champions League. He might go out with a swan song there, but it's becoming more of a definitive story that he's going to go to Barcelona on a free transfer. Now this dovetails into a story that, that you pointed out mate on Twitter that Guillaume Balaguer, who's a fantastic journalist, very reliable for all things La Liga, he, he did indicate that despite Aguero going to Barcelona being a really good move for, for Barcelona as well, you know, he did indicate that Barcelona might have been some big financial trouble here with the potential of up to 17 players that could leave, mate. I mean, they're, they're, I think both, you look at it, both them and Madrid are in a mess financially. And I think this is yeah. this was a key thing for the Super League where they're guaranteeing themselves money coming, coming in each, each year. Um, it's... 
it, it does look like they're going to have to to let some unless something drastic happens and, and more money comes into the club. But it does look like they they could end up losing some of their their star players. Um, obviously, there's there's possibly still the the potential of, of Messi leaving. Um, obviously, it doesn't look like you you're not getting much in terms of transfer sort of fee I don't think now with the contract situation but it's a huge amount of, of money that would come off the, the wage bill but if you if you start to talk about losing the likes of Ansu Fatty who's you know potentially the future of the club mm. th- those are the players that you you absolutely have to keep hold of but if they're forced into a position where they have to sell those players then that, it's going to be a really weird um, thing to to kind of see when you you think of how how big a club they are and how successful they've been to have got themselves into such a mess and and they've basically you know they, they've just bankrolled sign into or bankrolled the club into to winning and they're not doing that you know they haven't won La Liga they they've knocked out of the Champions League early um, again and they they're not what they were um, if you go back not even that long ago. And they they could be they could be in bother, um, you know. As the as that sort of that tweet, those tweets it it suggested um, fifteen to seventeen players is a hell of a lot of of people to lose, and it it will obviously give them a big a big chunk of money coming into the club and and free at wages. But then you're gonna have to to spend to to sort of to replace those players. So. If they're, if they're in that much bother, then those players that they're going to then bring in are going to be nowhere near the quality of the ones that they've just lost. Lost. It's interesting because you know Aguero obviously is a, is a, still a big name, still a big draw. You know it could potentially be something that maybe be used as a, as a stick to keep Messi there. You know with the family connection between the yeah. two, I think Messi's godparents to his is uh, Aguero's son, I think. Um, but you know the other players being linked on free transfers is Memphis Depay and Genie Wijnaldum. Now both again decent players. You know whether Barcelona quality or not remains to be seen. You know Depay had his chance at Manchester United didn't quite work for him. I think Wijnaldum has been a great player for Liverpool. Um, you know really really talented. Obviously he's a Dutch captain. Um, he's coming towards the kind of you know the latter stages of his career. So I'm not sure whether he would be the Genie Wijnaldum that you know we've, we've kind of seen before. Um, but as you said there, mate, losing that level of players is, is a huge blow to the club. I mean, Barcelona have always been renowned for this amazing academy that they've had. You know, and, and yeah, we've still seen some players, you know, dripping in from there, obviously Fatty being one of them. But I think they may need to turn back to that and they may need to accept the fact that those players might need three or four seasons to, to get themselves up to that level, you know, before yeah. they start challenging again at the top. But just an interesting point about Aguero as well. Aguero fits the mould very much of another player that Barcelona left or let leave, <laughs> which is kind of come back to bite them on the arse a little bit, man. I know you want to talk about that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Luis Suarez. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you look and they, they let him go last last year, and it, it was such a such a weird deal for for, for a player of of the of the calibre of, of Suarez to go for, I think it was 6 million euros that they, they sold him to, to a, to a rival as well. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, could, I, could, yeah. I could understand if they, if they maybe sold him to, to Valencia or someone in, in Italy or mm. somebody that wasn't going to be a direct rival, but to sell him to Atletico um, for so little. Um, Messi was just, living as well, wasn't he? I remember absolutely. Messi was I, 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 I think understandably so, but, 
he's gone on and I think he's got 21 goals this season for, for Atletico and they've obviously won the title at the weekend as well so it just shows what a poor bit of business that was to have, have mm. got so little for him um, when you consider the return that he that he gives and he, he's just got to show that you know what what a, what a move for Atletico for him that, that's you know that's paid real dividends Absolutely. This isn't the first time that Barcelona have dropped this bollock, is it really? Because they did the same thing with David Villa uh, yeah. a few years back, and then he went on and won the league as well. So I think there's a real bit of arrogance from Barcelona's point of view, mate, isn't there? You know, they're, oh, well, you're done. Off you go. Off you fuck, mate. And then, oh, actually, hang on a minute. He's still quite good. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> think, you're right. Absolutely. Twice. They've done it twice. They've done it twice with, with their, their strikers. They've sold them to the same club each time, and that club's then gone on and won the title. And it just. There is that that level of arrogance with them, and it, it's kind of bit them on the arse again. Well, it's a bit of a stupid decision. It stinks of a decision being made by a guy in a boardroom and not in a football pitch, you know. And I think that's the problem with these big clubs, is you do get a lot of that going on, especially the European clubs. And it, and it, it is a shame for supporters, but you know, well done, Suarez and and uh, the rest of Atletico, <clears throat> and obviously Kieran Trippier as well. Yeah. Showing Harry Kane exactly what happens when you leave Spurs. Unfortunately, you do win <laughs> Um So moving on to uh, another another one of the European Super League clubs. Apparently, Chelsea are interested in uh, and have been interested in contact Bayern Munich about uh, reportedly sending Robert Lewandowski. I can imagine that conversation was very short and it ended in something rhyme with mock poff um, from the Bayern Munich uh, board. I imagine, but just a little note on Lewandowski. He scored a forty-first goal of the season. Uh, the weekend, the last day of the Bundesliga, breaking Gert Meller's record for uh, most goals in a season. What a player, mate. Just phenomenal. And I know it's, you know, buying a head and shoulders above everybody in that league, but still to to score 41 goals in a, in, in a season is just is ridiculous. And he is, I think, head and shoulders, the best the best striker in, in the world um, at the moment. And, and you know, it's... It's no surprise to see teams interested in, in wanting to, to take him. Um, I, can't, I can't imagine that Bayern will will field any of those calls, though. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Straight to voicemail, I think. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel will have that miserable face on yet again, I imagine. No yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, I think he wants a German 11, doesn't he? It'd be fair, mate. But, uh, oh, sorry, a Bundesliga 11, I beg your pardon. But, uh, yeah, so... We're kind of you know moving on just to, to another story, I suppose, involving the um, the relegated teams. We we both shed a tear when Sam Allardyce said he was no longer going to be the West Brom manager. You know, as as huge fans of, of the Sam Allardyce fan club, uh, you know, we were devastated to hear that we won't see that um, fraud that looks like bully from Bullseye in this game any longer. Uh, but they they have been linked to Chris Wilder, uh, which I think would be a really good move for them. Maybe fair. Does I mean you know he did such a good job with Sheffield United, obviously getting them promoted that that first season, but you know in the in the Premier League last year, and they obviously had such a rough rough time of it to to start this year and and have gone down. But there there's a there is a squad there. There are some good players in that squad. I think they just I think some of the players that they brought in in the summer weren't right for them, not in the style that that Wilder played and. They've obviously struggled with with huge injuries as well. You know they lost. I think they're they're starting centre backs at the start of the season and were missing for quite some time. And we, like we said, you miss one player that's that's part of that 
you know, part of your team that is a big part of that, it's going to have an effect. If you miss three or four, then, you know, you're in trouble. And, and that's exactly what Sheffield United really had, that they they were missing those those key centre-backs for, for quite some time. And it's, it's you know, it's it just shows that what a difference they, they sort of make. You know, I, I was I think it was a, a shame for Wilder to have gone when he did, um, but you know hopefully you know he'll come back and, and just show what a what a good manager he is. And he's 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 quite a character, isn't he? And, and I think he probably will fit West Brom quite well. I think he would as well. He's he's very honest. He's got a lot of integrity. Everything Allardyce doesn't have to be fair. So uh, I think he'd he'd probably be quite good for West Brom. And uh, West Brom fans, let us know what you think in the comments below. I know I'll be much happier with Chris Wilder as my manager than that idiot Sam Allardyce hopefully he'll piss off to his villa Cassus and James as they bought with the money that we binned them in and he'll <laughs> never come back again hopefully but uh, so that's us done for the new section this time but don't worry guys we're going to be across all the, the transfer stories and speculations over the summer obviously while the Euros are going on as well and we'll be sure to bring them to you in the next episodes of the Slide Pass blog but for now no more news and time to check out Okay, so that's full time, mate, on the uh, last episode of the, the, the season for the Slide Rule Pass podcast, mate. Thanks very much for joining me this season to talk about football. No, thank you again. Um, you know, th thanks everyone for watching. It's been a, it's been a been a good it's really good season. Um, obviously from a from a personal point of view, it's been been great to to watch Villa's progress. Um, but there's been some some weird games, some wonderful games, some terrible decisions, um <laughs> some bizarre VAR um, and referee decisions and you know we'll uh, we'll obviously continue as we head into the summer absolutely well I've got a busy summer as well even though the league's finished we're certainly not finished with the slide world pass podcast we've got some great specials coming for you starting off with uh, Newcastle and Aston Villa club corner season reviews uh, me and Mark are going to be back on duty with a couple of special guests so make sure you guys click like and subscribe hit that bell as well so you know when the episode's coming out they should be quite good ones to watch and we're also going to be having a look at the European Championships, which is just around the corner, uh, where we're going to oversee the domestic uh, representatives with England, Scotland and Wales. And again, we'll have some special guest stars on that one too. So we've got a, a busy summer ahead of us, mate. We've been called up to the Euros. So that's quite good and enjoyable. Absolutely. I'm just glad, <laughs> glad we've got that. Um, we've, we've got a bit of a, a break from Premier League and, and uh, Me too. domestic football. And we, and we get some European, you know, some, some international football to, to go with. And it's not just meaningless friendlies or the... Uh, mm. Or the uh, what was it the the European I can't even remember what it's called now the the international league or whatever the oh yeah yeah something like that but my only hope for the summer really obviously I want Scotland to do well but my other hope is I don't see Steve Bruce rocking up as a pundit on anyone's fucking TV show because I've had enough of that bloke all season for the love of Christ no no station put him on the TV please for God's sake no I I, I think you're safe there to be fair. <laughs> I really hope so. I really hope so. But for now, mate, that's us all done. And uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed it. It's been a great season. And uh, let's get ready for some summer action. And we'll see you in the next episode of the Slide Will Pass. Thanks for watching, guys. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.